Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of This Galarian Life. My name is Derek Pritchett and a couple months ago I made a joke that I wanted to start a podcast and here we are. So this will be a Pathfinder actual play podcast. We will be going through the Pathfinder published adventure path, Iron Fang Invasion. Just so you all know kind of who we are. We're going to go around the table and give some brief introductions. Like I said, my name is Derek. I have been playing Pathfinder since my sophomore year in college. My first game lasted a whole 20 minutes before everybody got tired and left. And then some friends convinced me to join another game that lasted about two, three years. And I met some people who became very important to me. And ever since, I've kind of fallen in love with the Pathfinder system and just all of the things Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder can give you. So I will be DMing. So I will be playing multiple characters. But the others that are going to introduce themselves will be playing only one. So let's start with you, Sam. I'm Sam Eames. I have basically not a lot of history with D&D, and I actually do not like Pathfinder, but I love my friends, so I'm here. I am going to be playing a gnome investigator from the homeland of Crocodon, and I'm very excited about this character. His name is Truxton Pendleton. Like I said, very little history with this. I've played a little bit of 5th edition before, um, and I've unsuccessfully tried to start a bunch of games with other friends, but this is the only group that's ever been able to stick with it for more than, like, one session. So, excited about where this goes. Maybe I'll learn to love Pathfinder and its intricacies. So next, Sam, would you like to go? Absolutely. So my name is Sam Begley May, um, and I have... Also very little experience with tabletops. Um, I played a game with some of these losers where we killed the Lorax. Um, And then I played another game with these people, um, which was Pathfinder. I also do not really understand how the game mechanisms work. But, you know, we're learning. I am playing a character named Cyrix Pleathor. Um, She is a half-elf mesmerist who kind of just lived in in tiny mountain villages uh she is a wonderful exotic dancer uh slash prostitute and is traveling throughout the country trying to just just find a place to stay home jeff do you want to talk yeah my name is jeff may i'm most notable for being sam's husband um i have been playing DD for a fair amount of time as well in fact i one time had the grand opportunity to dm a game where our host was a member and let me tell you, for all of his experience playing 3.5 and Pathfinder and all its stupid rules, he uh, could not make his way around a 4th edition character creator. And my god, Derek, that bard was something else. I am playing a half-orc bard in this campaign named Gorgug. Gorgug's had a hard life. He's kind of the old man Logan motif here. He served most of his life in the Malthuni Imperial Army. But he's looking to simply retire and get a plot of land where he can die alone. He's a little bit uh, dead on the inside and Halfway on the outside, too. We'll see what happens. I identify strongly as Gorgug. I should mention that the Pathfinder adventure path we're playing um, happens primarily in the nation of Nirmathos, which is actively at civil war with Multhoon. So uh, Jeff's character is going to have quite the bit of conflict, probably pretty early on. But I will punch them all in the goddamn teeth, and I don't care. How about William? 
Hello, my name is William Wiseman. I have oodles of uh, D&D experience. Started in fifth grade when my neighbor, I was friends with his son and we just started playing D&D first edition. All through high school, I was kind of a forever GM. We switched to Pathfinder and that's when I became the forever GM permanently until uh, we had a campaign that went from one to 20 and it blew up in the end as those tend to do. I am playing Greg Tuller, a uh, grumpy old man ranger. I have a lovely wife and two children. We all live in the starter town. Greg is a kind of a retired old ranger and he's he's just really tired of these kids. Hopefully I don't kill them. We're gonna get along great, buddy. Uh, and last but probably least, Gavin. Uh, least is accurate. Uh, my name is Gavin DePaul. I've been playing tabletop D&D games of all types for like just under a decade. Um, I played with these four people that first spoke and then also was DM'd by William. It was a fun time. My character name is Jean-Jacques Rousseau, known as Jacques. I'm a human paladin with a specific archetype that gets rid of all my spells, basically. Uh, my character loves love. He's a ladies' man and a guy man and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And looking for a fun time, hopefully, solving some of his personal issues that'll come out throughout the game. You know what's really important to a paladin, Gavin? What's that? Who, who's, who's your deity? Oh, of Shellian. I mean, I said I love love, so I just thought that was assumed. Do you know what I don't love? Gavin's fucking name in this game. Hey, it's better than a name without vowels. I figure it'll grow on us. Plus, you know, who knows when one of you might die. Welcome to Iron Fang Invasion. Celebrations can sometimes be forgotten once people are forced to return to the banality of everyday life. But here, in Nirmathos, a cleric of Arastil finds a way to keep his town festival on his mind all through the year. When I was a boy, there wasn't a lot to celebrate. You see, Father Nolian grew up poor. His family were simple farmers who never could seem to find a profitable harvest. My parents shipped me off to Tamarin to become an acolyte as soon as they realized I couldn't magically make the farm work. I never sold him again. He was eventually reassigned to Feandar, where he found something he had never really experienced before. A family. The people I meet in this town are my life now, and the visitors to the market festival often become like distant cousins I see a few times a year. I am truly a blessed man, and I think Alastor saw something in me. There is such a great hope I see in these times. 
So much hope, in fact, that Nolian plans to retire after the festival and begin traveling to spread his blessings. He tells us that he has been given so much that the least he can do is spend his twilight years giving back. Please don't tell anybody. I don't want to put a damper on this festival, but yes, it is time for me to move on. So many souls to save, places to see, and people to meet. It is time. Nolian wants to see one last perfect festival that he's grown to love so much, but perfection is rarely attainable in this Galarian life. Thank you, everyone, for giving us a try on our inaugural episode of This Galarian Life. I'm your DM, Derek, and we've all put a lot of time into putting this together and hope you all enjoy the final product as much as we enjoyed making it. Instead of doing a recap like in other casts, we've instead opted for a public domain radio-style introduction that you've just heard. We think it'll be a fun way to get more rich stories from the PCs and some prominent NPCs. In this short introductory segment, we'll take turns giving snippets about what's going on with the show, some game advice, or whatever else you might want to hear. For this week, I'm going to mention some of the things that made the show possible. First, we wanted to acknowledge Paizo for their amazing Pathfinder game system and narrative world building. Pathfinder's my favorite system, and I hope this show encourages more people to give it a try. Secondly, the background music you hear in the show is all courtesy of Sirenscape. Sirenscape allows anybody who downloads the app access to countless different fantasy or sci-fi musical mood sets to help immerse your players in your game. It's a wonderful product and well worth the full subscription even though there is a free version. Finally, in keeping up with the public radio theme, we could never do this without listeners like you. With that all being said, enjoy episode one. It's all fun and games until dot dot dot. So, for whatever reason, you all find yourselves in the nation of Nirmathos. Nirmathos is, like I said in the intro portion, a country that has been in constant civil war for centuries, and there's no real centralized government. Because of that, there's a bunch of small towns that pop up with no, no town councils, no anything, and they basically only exist to trade and keep each other alive. One of these towns, Bandar, has a market festival every three to four months. And whatever your character's reasons are, you all are attending that. Whether you be close or are traveling from faraway regions like Varicia or Kragadon, which is several miles to the south, um, you find yourself there. So anybody who is traveling, um, as you approach the city, say three days out um, make perception checks 13 okay 7 wait no I did the math wrong that's actually a 10 even better Same. so with your perception checks even though you're a very long way out you realize you can see the city about three days and you can see the small because the area you're walking on is a very very flat plain this is one of the central features of Fandor. It has been called an excellent place or to prevent like military invasions because you can essentially see somebody coming from several days out and you're able to defend yourselves or escape before they get there. As you get within the boundaries of the city, you notice that it's essentially placed in the bend of a river, the River Meredith. The river, the rapids are wild, and you don't think anybody you know 
could possibly swim them. And the river is very wide, so it would prevent rowing a boat across or anything. There is a bridge that crosses the river. It seems like it's under construction currently, but it's definitely sturdy enough to get in. You all make it over the bridge and into the town, and you find your way to the Trap Fruit Inn, where you find lodging for the night. The festival starts in the morning. There is a bar in the end. Those of you who are traveling obviously don't have to go drink if you don't want to, but it's an option. So, what do you all do? Or Google head down to the bar and put away a few pints before bed. Yeah, same. I'll try to strike up conversation with people who let me. Okay. Sirius is going to go down to the bar. I'm going to go down to the bar and see if I can uh, hook myself up with a gig for tomorrow night. I'm going to step outside and have a smoke. Sirix, I would imagine you would approach the bartender. I, I would. Oi, how are you doing today? Can I interest you in a drink? Uh, maybe in just a second. Uh, I actually had a question for you. Of course, ma'am. Have my job is answering questions, don't you know? Do you ever have, like, performers here at this bar? Well, not necessarily, but of course, during the festival, they will bring in some entertainment. There will be an evening party at the bar tomorrow night. Now, if you go speak to the proprietor of the inn, Jet, tomorrow morning, she will be hosting a sort of open mic to kind of suss out the entertainment prospects for the party. So, I, I would suggest you go do that in the morning. Sounds wonderful. I'll take that drink now. For you, miss, that'll be one silver piece. I give him the money. As far as everything else goes, there aren't a ton of people in the bar. There is a older-looking half-orc, a human with some armor on, a couple halflings in the corner just talking to themselves, and some humans uh, sitting at a table just playing cards and drinking. I'd go talk to the half-orc if, uh, you know, he lets me. I sit up next to him and I put down two gold and I'm like, that's enough for both of us here. Well, I should say, that's about enough for a month. He gets you a drink. I mean, that's only 20 drinks. That's not a month. That's one night, am I right? Do I know you, stranger? No, you don't. I was hoping to get to know you. I was hoping just the opposite. Free drinks, though, huh? That's all the conversation. It's not good. Uh, I take a drink and I say, where are you from? Nowhere in particular. I've never been to nowhere. I'd recommend you not travel. Sounds like a long walk. <laughs> Have long sword will travel. I look to the bartender. How much will this two gold buy? If I'm being straight with you, that's about 20 drinks. What about that bottle there on the shelf with the dust on top? Well, I don't know about that one. You see, that's Jet, the owner of the hotel's special bottle. She got it on a trip to, uh, I believe it is Absalom. Uh, she says she'd never sell it, only use it for special occasions. How about the one next to it? Oh, that's two silver. <laughs> I'll take it. One bottle for the man with distinguished, albeit cheap taste. I grab the bottle, look at the human next to me. Thanks for the drink. I head up to my room. <laughs> Damn, Jack just got dripped on. It was worth a shot, what can I say? Truxton, while you're out smoking, and I assume it's just not tobacco leaves. Uh, it actually is just uh, tobacco leaves in this case. Oh, well, that's good. Nothing really happens. There's a couple passerbys. 
you can try making a diplomacy check to see if you get any information about what happens at the festival or anything. But other than that, nothing would just idle chit chat. Uh, I will. I will do that. I am going to make a diplomacy check and see if I can figure out what's going on. Okay. I got a twenty-one. A twenty-one. You just get a general rundown of the town. There's some shops, a theater. There will be a stage in the center of the town tomorrow where town leaders will give introductions to the festival. Um, That seems where everybody will gather at about 10 in the morning. Uh, The one thing of note that interests you as an investigator is there's a man named Oreld who has uh, an alchemy lab in his shop. And every festival, he hosts a game, and whoever can name the most alchemical products that he would have, rare alchemical products that he has in his shop, gets a prize and potentially samples of those herbs. From what you heard, most of the the events will happen in the town center, so you'll probably be able to find them real easy. That's more or less all that happens in the evening, unless anybody else has anything they want to do. I probably would have gone on to, like, the next person and bought a, probably Cyrix a drink. Buy me a drink. I mean, I already spent uh, 20 silver worth, so I might do well with most of it, yeah? What are, what are you here tonight for? I'm a pretty good dancer. What kind of dancing do you like to do? Oh, I kind of pull out my glaive and strike it down to the bottom of the ground. I'm pretty good with a pole. <laughs> From upstairs, you hear a low chuckle. <laughs> oh what about you? Um, I'm a little more... That's kind of up my alley. Maybe you'd make a good tag team. <laughs> Greg's not even there, but he's covering his children's ears. <laughs> like, for example, you you want to join the competition. If we win it together, you know... We can share the prize. Oh, you could share my prize anytime. I don't know. That's, uh, I don't really pay for that kind of stuff. Depending on how good of a dancer, you may not have to pay. And then I leave. I'm sweating over here. <laughs> ah, over to bartender. I'm, I'm I just... think I'm going to bed. Okay. It's called nagging. <laughs> You all sleep soundly, yet even as you rest, you can feel an almost electric buzz of excitement building in the town. When you wake, you hear loud chattering in the streets below. From what you noticed the night before, this is normally a sleepy town, as those of you who live here could confirm. After getting ready and maybe having a quick bite to eat, you emerge from the trap root inn in a crowd discussing their hopes for the day. Some want to earn some quick gold, and others are just there for some festival fun. A small child runs by, chasing her pet dog, who is running up to strangers to greet them. A joy fills the air. The weather is perfectly sunny, and it seems like nothing could go wrong. People are making their way to the town center to hear the introductions of the festival, and then the day of trading and auctions and games and music and a lot of drink will go on. Do all of you go to the town center? I want to try and track down this this proprietress. She would be one of the town leaders who would be at the town center. Okay, then I'm going down to the town center. I imagine me and the wife and kids are probably there. 
I would think so. Um, you probably have things you can sell or just things you might want to buy. And there's only 300 people in Fandor, so anytime there's any sort of entertainment, you probably go. Do I see Trexton? Well, I am making my way towards uh, Orold's herb identification shop. So if he's headed that direction, he would run into me. You remember from last night that he would also be at the town center because he would be part of the opening ceremonies. So then, yeah, I would. Um, I will run into Jean-Jacques on the way. Jean, you see a little gnome that you recognize. Truxton! Truxton, my friend! Who are you? Jack, you remember me. All right. I, uh, memory's hazy. Hey, I'm not surprised with what you do. What's that supposed to mean? That psychedelics can um, be bad for the memory sometimes. They've opened my mind in ways you can't imagine. Hey, want me to open your mind more with a drink? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love that, but I'm actually on my way to uh, a competition that I've heard about. Oh, which one? Uh, I'm going to go see a man by the name of Orold about an herb identification contest that I feel I'd excel in. Oh, no, they, are, they do not know what is coming. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, well, good luck. So there's a stage at the center of town. People are gathering around it. An older man in priestly garb walks up to the front of the stage and begins speaking. If anybody wants to make a knowledge religion, go ahead and do it now. Ah, religion. My skill. I got a 22. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, 18. That's good enough. This is a cleric of the god Erastil. He's the god of community and hunting. His nickname is Old Deadeye. He's a very common god to be worshipped around Nirmathos just based on the structure of society. He approaches the mic, his voice magically amplified, and begins, Welcome, my friends, to Feanda for the Market Festival. My name is Father Nolian. And I will be your host for the day. Let me just begin by telling you a little about myself. In Western Tamarind, born and raised in the temple is where I spent most of my days casting chill touch, max cure light wounds, and blessing the youngsters outside of the school. When a couple of guys, they were up to no good. They started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little scrap and my mentor got scared. He said, I have no choice but to relocate you to Feanda. And here I am. This place has become my home. And like many of you, I am infatuated with the countryside, the simplicity of life, but most of all, the people. And to all our visitors on this lovely day, I am positive you will find this city to be a perfect place to conduct your business as well as have a bit of a party. Now, this old man has rambled long enough, so I'll turn it over to Auburn. Aristil, bless you all, and welcome to Feandar. A woman stands up, dark skin, very tall, human, imposing, but you notice that she has a stump leg 
very ornate as if it's been crafted and she's had for a very long time. Go ahead and make perception checks. I got a 17. 15. 14. Okay. The plus seven, I got nine. All said and done, Gorgud has a smooth 20. Um, Anybody with a a 15 or higher realizes that her eyes are glassy. She's probably blind or partially blind. Um, And it seems like it happened in, would have happened in an accident rather than just being born that way. So she approaches the mic and everybody's attention turns to her. Even when the father was talking, some of them were, some of the crowd were distracted. But as soon as Auburn approaches the front of the stage, everybody turns to her. She's very obviously somebody of importance to the people in the town. And she goes, Hello, everybody. I am Auburn the Green. And first, let me start by echoing Father Nolian. I... I haven't had the easiest of lives. I started out as a Chernsonada ranger bent on protecting my home from Morthoon, but the battles eventually claimed my eyesight, of course. Being away from the field led me to my two great loves in this new portion of my life, Caden Callion and my home, Fandar. This place treats me with such great care that I love being able to share it with travelers several times a year at the festival. Now, there will be plenty of time this evening to party. I usually seek the comforts of the Trap Root Inn, but there will be get-togethers all over town. Jet, of course, will be working very hard all day to make sure the inn has all the necessities to run an amazing night. In fact, I believe she will be hosting a tryout of sorts for entertainment sometime later in the day. For those more business-minded, I might suggest Kining Blondebeard Smithy, where there will be a sort of charity auction, or Vale Allred's Fine Shop, which will host a fine affair. If you're a bit more biased, Father Nolian will host a service at the Riverwood Temple. Of course, the nightlife isn't all the town has to offer. As part of the festival, there will be trading all day as well as games and entertainment. Archery is always very popular, and Vale hosts his annual herb identification contest. No matter where you find yourself today, remember you are amongst friends in the best nation in all of Galarian. Go out, have a good time, and I hope to be able to speak to as many of you as possible. Caden, bless ya. And the crowd just burst into cheers. They're all very happy. She's very, very loved in this town. Here, here. As Borgug stands in the crowd, he looks to some random townsperson nearby, stares at them, pointed eyes, and asks simply, What's her story? Oh, Auburn? Well, she used to be a ranger in the forest. From what I hear, she um, was attacked by a creature that she couldn't quite handle, uh, sprayed acid in her eyes, and she decided from that point she couldn't she couldn't go on anymore with her leg and her eyes being disabled but she is much more capable than any of us in this town I wouldn't say she's the leader but she's a bit of an emotional leader, she keeps us all together and all of us happy she's she's good people mm, she seems too strong for you lot, consider yourself lucky oh we agree, that's why we're happy she's here Greg, what are you interested in doing? There isn't like an archery contest, is there? There is. Well, then, yeah, we'll go to that. Okay, so 
Greg makes his way to the archery contest. There's several targets set up. Um, and you be there's four or five people who are in the contest. And you just got to beat those people. The way this is going to work is you're going to roll a perception check, a survival check, and a ranged attack roll. So perception will be to kind of size up the target. Survival will be to like measure the air resistance and the wind. And the ranged attack roll will be a ranged attack roll. Um, There are five rounds and whoever has the most points wins. So say you get a, a total of like 50 on those three rolls. It'll be like a bullseye. And then every five points down, it's one fewer point. So 50 is 10 points, uh, 45 is 9 points, and everything will be rolled, rounded down. All right, sounds good. So let's do your first shot. Well, I rolled a 16 for perception. That is excellent. You see the target. I only rolled a 13 for that uh, that survival there. You got a good handle on the wind. But I got a 17 on the attack roll. Your first shot hits just about as close to the bullseye of the target as possible. Your other competition, um, their scores range between a 5 and a 7, but you get a 9. And there's 5 rounds? Yes, everybody readies up for their next shot. Alright, so the perception, 17. The uh, survival, a 23. And my attack is 22. That would be a total of 62. You hit the bullseye, and in fact, you make such a great shot that the target cracks up a little bit, and they have to replace it. You hit it right in the sweet spot. One other person makes a bullseye, and then everybody else is getting fives, fives and sixes. So it seems like you and this one other guy are basically the competition. Oh, my rival. His name is Jackson. Jackson! Everybody hates Jackson. Andrew Jackson's my favorite supervillain. All right, time to... Shot number three! Alrighty. That one didn't go quite as well. With a 10 perception, a 26 survival, and only a 13 to shoot. You still hit hit the target. Uh, it's a little wider than you would have liked it, but still close to the bullseye. You make yourself a nine points. Jackson hits a bullseye. You guys are very close together. All right. Once again, perception, only 11. But my survival is a nat 20 with a 27. Then then my attack's only 11. Once again, you hit right outside the the bullseye. It's a good shot, and everybody seems really excited in the crowd. Jackson hits about the same place as you. So it seems like it's going to come down to this final shot. Jackson goes first, and he hits an eight. Oh, here we go. Big money. No. That is a 16 perception, 10 survival, and a critical failure for five on the attack roll. Bowstring broke. The bowstring breaks, and your shot goes a little wide. The judges line up to count the points, and they look over. Well, that's the first time this has ever happened. It seems this competition has ended in a dead tie. One more shot. One more. Jackson takes his shot. 
out of character, perhaps, he gets a five. See, that was a 13 perception, a 21 survival, and a nine to attack. <laughs> 43. It looks like Greg has won the competition. Uh, the judges confer, and they decide since there was a tie, they're going to split up the prize a little bit. But Greg will be taking home the majority of it. So you'll be taking home 27 gold pieces, 7 blunt arrows, and 10 distance arrows, along with a special invitation to the Trap Root Inn party after the Trap Root Inn party, which is a special meet and greet with Aubrin and any other town leader who shows up. Rumor has it is they have a are using some of these games as a special way to determine um, people for a special mission. And you're invited to that. Interesting. That jerk Jackson's not. Hey, he was a good shot. I can respect that. All right, I'm going to uh, make my way towards uh, Oral's Herb Identification Contest, and on the way, going to familiarize myself with the subject matter a little more intimately sneaking through uh, some alleys. So there's just a couple people around the herb game. You take it that this is kind of difficult for a lot of people. Not a lot of people are like super into herb. People aren't really into alchemical items around here. Um, Squares. But there are several. There's a couple people who are there. And all Red goes, Welcome everybody to the game this is my favorite time of year does anybody have the courage to come up and figure out what these pieces of plant are i'd like to try my hand i'm gonna say from the audience well come up little man it seems like we have a challenger i'll make my way to the uh the stage or or whatever it is well first we have a very simple herb Perhaps my own grandmother could figure out what this is, but can you, Mr. Gnome? Actually, what's your name, Gnome? My name is Truxton Pendleton of the Pendleton Dynasty. Well, Truxton of the Pendleton Dynasty that nobody's ever heard of, can you beat my grandmother? Let's find out. He shows you in a tiny little plant and says, what is this? Make a, let's say, knowledge nature check. All right. Uh, that's with my modifiers, a 20. You know that this is myrrh. Starting me off easy, eh? That's myrrh. Well, right you are. I guess you're better than an old lady. Now next, this one. This one is a bit trickier. What do you think this is, Mr. Truxton? Uh, another knowledge nature. Uh, that's a 15. You believe this is ginger extract? Hmm... From the smell of it, I'd say ginger extract. Well, that was an easy one. Anybody has that in the kitchen. But can you get this next one? This is one that took me a while to figure out myself. Uh, with modifiers, that's a 21. Mugwort extract. Uh, that'd be mugwort extract. Boy, we've got a proprietor of the alchemical on our hands. You might win this competition over old a lady. Proprietor Jane. is actually exactly how I would describe myself. And if any of you would like to learn more, come find me after the competition. One final herb can help you win this competition, but what is it, Mr. Druxton? Hit me with it, Harold. 
Give me a craft alchemy. Uh, that's 23. It is brain mold spores. Oh, I am intimately familiar with this one, Harold. This would be brain mold spores. Who's Harold? But you are correct. Just don't ever call me that again. I guess we have a winner. <clears throat> Your prize, Mr. Truxton, is 50 gold pieces, and you can have one of everything you identified. It'll be 200 by the end of the week, then. Oh, I bet it will. So the game's over, and the crowd starts thinning out, and Old Red kind of pulls you aside and goes, Truxton, come here. Let me really test your abilities. He pulls something out in a, um, a leather bag. If you can tell me what this is, you can have it. And one other item that I think you might find useful. Give me a craft alchemy and give it to me with a plus two bonus. A bit rough one, but I rolled a um, 15. You recognize this as Keef, which is a fairly popular drug in Galarian. All right, well, I'll let him know then. Uh, and I'll identify that this is uh, this is Keith. Very impressive, sir. Well, you can go ahead and have that sample. And then he hands you a note. I hope to see you later on, Mr. Truxton. I hope to see you indeed. I'll take a look at the note. It's an invitation to an after party after the party at the Trap Root Inn. I will uh, plan to attend as I have a history of sort of using these type of parties to make connections to further my uh, my business dealings. I'm like hanging out in the town square and I'm like, I'm going to go track down that lady who uh, is going to host this open mic night. You hear a voice ring out of the crowd. People, people, hurry up. If we don't get this competition started, we're never going to figure out who the entertainment is going to be tonight. Everybody who's in the open mic, line up real quick, like, real quick, like, we got to go, we got to go. I I float over and stand in line. People, people, how we're going to do this is you're going to have two minutes to make your case about why you should be the entertainment tonight at the inn. So everybody line up and give me a best shot. A small little halfling walks up and he starts juggling some balls. I'm good at that. He, he, he drops two of them and the crowds. Boo! Get off the stage, Jeremy. We don't want to see your balls again. Jeremy, you did five. Good job. And a human walks up and starts singing basically olden day opera. And she does pretty good for the first minute, and then her voice just cracks out, and everybody throws, starts throwing fruit at her, and it's very sad. And she walks off the stage crying. You, girl, half-elf girl, get up here. It's your turn. I whisper to myself, two minutes is all I need, and I float up to the stage. Uh, make a, pre- a perform check. It is a 20 with my modifier. For your first minute, you began dancing beautifully. In fact, people are so impressed by the dance that they begin to throw a couple silver pieces onto the stage. Between the silver and the copper, there's about two down there. Um, give me another check. 16 with the modifier. 
Somebody throws another uh, silver piece up. You end and everybody just cheers and is clapping and is like, that was the sexiest dance we ever saw. Thank you, strange half-elf lady. I hope you win. I wink at the audience and I wave my hand and, and get off stage. A, a little boy in the front row faints. <laughs> it's, it's trashy yet tasteful, like a Nicki Minaj concert. That, that was that was good. That was great. That's better than the first two garbage performers. You and the you the other one, the human boy. Uh, if you think you can beat that, then get up there. As I walk up, I say, well, I usually don't last two minutes, but hey, here I am. And then everybody does finger guns. <laughs> pew, pew. <clears throat> Give me a perform check. Uh, as I get up there, I start with a flourish and kind of twirl my cape flying through the air and I slam the pole down as I undo the, the cloak and it flies into the audience and I strut. Very flashy. Uh, I kind of do like a weird militaristic like performance with my spear mm-hmm. and that's what it and that's it's like fancy like that too. Well, this this part of the town loves their military and they en- enjoy their dance, I suppose. They clap. They clap loud and about two silver pieces get thrown onto the floor. This is where it all goes downhill. I rolled an 11. It's still good. There's the little kid who faints, fainted earlier for Cyrix, th- throws a copper piece on the stage and goes, I love you. I don't know your name, but you're so great. But everybody else seems to kind of lose a little bit of interest. Hey, I got a better bet. And I like look at Cyrix and I like wave her up here. I, I come up to the stage cautiously, interested in where this is going. You can have the prize. Let's dance together. I start dancing with him. Give me a combined check. Save me! I rolled the net one. He kind of starts tripping over his own feet, and Sarix, how do you try to save him? I kind of swoop in and, and put my, my arm under his and kind of push him into dancing with me. Do you need my performance check? Yes. It is a 25. Oh, thank God. You two, although it seems a little awkward at first, and Jet seems to realize that one person is kind of controlling the action. The crowd doesn't realize it. And what amounts to be a gold piece ends up on the stage, and they all clap. Send them together. They're the best dancers this town's ever seen. Much better than that man who hit those watermelons with a sledgehammer last year. Um, I do uh, I do a little bit of a bow to Styrix to kind of like, as the applause gets louder, I kind of bow to her. To Jet takes you backstage, and she goes, "That was that was well done. Um, I've seen better. I've seen worse, but for who's in the town this evening, uh, you have the honor of being the entertainment at the party tonight. And as tradition goes, the entertainment is allowed access to the party after the party. We'll host, after we send the townspeople and the visitors away, we'll have a little meet and greet. May come to that. For both of us? Sure, why not? So you get 50 gold pieces for winning the competition, and you guys can split that up however you feel like. Uh... Can I have, like, six gold of the 41 gold we made? I flick a few gold pieces at Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Um, it, it amounts to... No, I just kind of flick them off into the air. Uh, it amounts to six gold piece, and I say, sure, I'm, I'm generous. I'll share with you today. 
Hopefully you'll share with me tonight too, huh? Either. It depends on if there's more money involved. I know. Rogue. After that pitiful display, Gorgug saw out of his peripheral vision. He's heading towards the charity auction. He's not accustomed to these type of human affairs and is hoping that maybe there will be real estate for sale. Right. As you're walking towards Kining's shop, a man approaches you in the street and goes, Do you have a minute to talk? No. I'm just... <laughs> I, I, I can't help but notice your um, the shield on your back. It, it makes me wonder why uh, Mulfuni would be in Nermathos, and I, I have a couple theories. I'll smash them out of your head if you prefer. I must be on my way. No, what, what I'm saying, sir, is I don't believe a man would brandish a shield with the Mulfuni crest if he was actually in the Mulfuni army while visiting Nermathos. I think you're a man who has escaped Mulfuni, and is looking for something here in Nirmathos, and I I might have an offer. I think you know very little about me or my kind, and I'll remind you what my drill instructor told me many years ago, boy. I am no man, I am an orc. I suppose that's fair. I, I guess I'll just sell my farm and my farmhouse to some other person. Freeze frame, record scratch, roll back. <laughs> See, the wife, the wife wants to move to Tamarin. Uh, she's, the kids are growing up. They're about to leave home, and we just don't know if we can run the farm ourselves anymore. She's a, an excellent artisan. She makes fine clothing and even better jewelry. In fact, a, a noble from Varigia coming through, making their way to Last Wall, <laughs> bought some jewelry from her several years ago, and they said it was finer than anything that they had ever seen. So I figure I've been failing on the farm for several years. I might as well give her a chance. So So are you selling me your wife or your farm? Both. I was selling you my story, but obviously you don't want that. Um, I just want the farm to go to somebody who needs it and could use it well. I don't have any need for too much gold, so if you would want to buy it, I'd only ask for maybe a gold or two a month for the next year or so, and maybe a portion of the crop I've already planted once you harvest it. But other than that, land could be yours. I know I've been a man in need before, and I I think you are one right now. I'll hand you 30 gold now if you never speak to me again and hand me the title. No questions asked. (laughs) I was thinking maybe we could go to the bar tonight and arrange everything, but if if that's what you want, that's what you want. Um, you human men have interesting bar. Stock. Whoa! You, Whoa! You know drinks. It just the deed would have to get authorized by the town. We live in a bit of a, a democracy, of course. The farmhouse outside doesn't necessarily do that, but when we transfer land, we have to make sure that people agree to it. Uh, Usually Aubrin's signature on something makes that happen, and she will be a bit inebriated tonight, so I thought it would be easier to do it there and just get her to sign the paper, but if you don't want to, I could perhaps talk to her myself later on, perhaps tomorrow when she's hungover. I remove my hand from my cloak and offer it forward for a shake. Let's get it done. Okay, I also want to do a, a sense motive on this shake, by the way. It's firm. 
It's very firm. That's enough for poor Goog. Was it as firm as what was in his cloak? Boom. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the night advances. You all have an invitation to the bar one way or another. Some of you to the after party. Some of you just to grab a drink with a mysterious stranger who sold you a house. But the night progresses. You do festival stuff, but nothing really of interest happens. Night begins to fall, and I need you all to make perception checks. Why? It's so dark. I got a nat 20 with a 27. Okay. Uh, I, I got a 9. All together, I rolled a 9. Or Boog's walking out with a smooth 22. 21. Okay. Things are still bustling beginning to calm down as people approach their other parties. Um, some are heading towards the inn. Some are heading to the temple. Some are heading to the other shops, but everything feels good. Like it's been a nice, easy day at the market festival. So I assume you all take up the offer of going to the inn. Hell yeah. Of course. I asked the wife first. I assume she says yes. Yep, she says yes. Would it be alright to bring my wife and two children to the tavern? Yep. I assume it's like a nice, wholesome town party. Yep, Auburn will be there. Apple. There'll be some drinking, but okay. it'll. It might be past the bedtime. Let's just I say. You know. they, they would uh, stay there for a while uh, until it is past their bedtime, and then they would, would leave with the wife. And uh, would I would stay long enough for this special meeting. Right. By the time the party starts, it's about 9.30. They get to hang out for an hour. Then they need to go home. Okay. So the party's going. At one point, a human and a half-elf begin to dance in front of a fireplace. Um, Cyrix and Jock give me perform checks. I rolled an 8. Uh, I rolled a nat 20, so that's a 28. Thank God she saves me. Can I, I get would... a reroll with that net 20? Please. Say she gives me a vote of confidence. I wink at him. You can add a plus five bonus to your score. Okay, that's 13. That's good. Every, everybody's very happy with the dance. They throw silver pieces and gold pieces. All in all, there's about 15 worth of gold. A dwarven man walks up to Cyrix and says, Your dance was simply divine. If more people in this town knew arts and dance, it'd be such it'd be such a more pleasant place. Thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Away. What a nice uh, man. So after the dancing ends, everybody's kind of drinking. It's probably been about an hour or so, so I don't know if Greg wants to send the kids home. But Auburn begins to talk. Should definitely send the kids home. Okay. Have I found a notary, Derek? <laughs> yeah, they're there. You got that taken care of during the dance. He sold you his home. And for a brief moment, fleeting perhaps, poor Google almost smiles. <laughs> <laughs> so Auburn <laughs> is starting to drink heavily, and she's in the middle of a conversation with several people, and she's just basically talking shit on the people she's fought before. And she goes, So there I am thinking, when will I ever be able to talk to a bear again? 
So before the grizzly can stand up, I turn to it and say, All I need is the honey. You can cave to bees. The room erupts into laughter as Auburn finishes her winding story and takes another drop from her tankard. But it's fine now. All's good. She, she named the bear cub after me, in fact. Someday I'm going to have to go check in on it. Ow! Oh god, that's too many bees! A man steps up from the crowd and goes, Now here's the thing about bears. You, I never want to talk to one. All I'd ever want to do is take out my trusty bow, shoot it right in the face. I'll tell you a thing about bears is they hate, just absolutely hate being shot in the face. So if you ever want to take out a bear, you shoot it in the face. Yeah, and that's my voice to every one of you. Thank you. Um, just then, you all hear something. Something in any other context would be completely normal, but it kind of throws you off. And Grogu, as a man of the military, in a way, you feel like you know what's going on, even though you don't. It's like something deep inside of you knows. In fact, you start thinking back to when you were first in the military, maybe your first couple days... And ladies and gentlemen, this is the first ever This Galorian Life flashback sequence. So, Grogug, you remember very vividly one night you were on guard duty, walking around, and you saw the officer's tent. Door wide open, lights were on, and you thought it was a little strange, because the officer should have been in bed. That's why they have new recruits like you doing the watches. Interesting. Being young and still a bit... Mind the pun, green behind the ears, I peek in. Your commander is sitting behind a desk, going over maps and battle plans. And he goes, Private, aren't you supposed to be doing your watch? Who better to watch than the man in charge? But I'll get right back to it, sir. Oh, perhaps I've had too many drinks tonight, but I'm feeling generous. You know, I was once a young recruit like you. It's a difficult life, but it's a rewarding life, you know? You know, if I could give you a bit of advice. I'm under orders to accept it, sir. All right, right. That is very true. I'm going to give you the best advice you ever heard, then. You know, the clash of swords and the cry of the wounded ain't the true sounds of war. Every battle I've ever been a part of has started the same way. You know, chatter of troops turns into this eerie silence. Unbroken until the first man either advances or dies. That's war, Private. Silence. And then chaos. And that's exactly what you hear in that bar. As if the crowds outside have vanished, an eerie silence goes over the bar. Although I'm still enraptured by the bear story from that dark woman who I find strong in a sea of weakness. Oddly enough, nobody else seems to notice. In fact, people are attempting to top off Auburn's tankard and begin pushing her to the center of the room to tell more battle stories. All right, all right, don't shove. Now. Kaiden strike me down if this isn't true, but... And then the front door explodes into flinders. A cry of agony pierces the chaos. Auburn lies on the floor, grasping and clutching at the blood gushing from a wound in her chest. A ballista bolt still quivers in the wall behind her. Two hobgoblins in military dress stand beyond the shattered door, blades drawn. Behind them, lit by the glow of burning homes, dozens, perhaps hundreds of hobgoblin soldiers march the streets. Fanned are burns. Shouts of celebration now replaced by the panic screams of the frightened and dying. Behind them, above the flames and humble rooftops, rises a tower of black stone. Everybody roll initiative. 
next time, because this is the end of our broadcast week. Unless y'all really want to do the battle. That sounds like a lot of hobgoblins to kill. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Incorporated. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com forward slash community use. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. Iron Fang Invasion is copyright 2017. Iron Fang Invasion and the Pathfinder Adventure Bath are trademarks of Paizo.